Uh, and my daughter is quick to point that out to me in terms of what her brothers were allowed to do at what age and, and what trust factors and all of that. And, and she's totally, because she's a woman, she's a young woman, but she's nevertheless a woman, she totally understands um, men. We are so easy to understand. And so she <laughs> says, Dad, I know you want to protect me, but, you know, you can't smother me. If you smother me, that's not going to be good. And, you know, she sounds like her, her mom, my wife. And so, anyway. Well, I was cracking uh, up because uh, didn't you say you met your wife as a cheerleader at the same high school yeah. where your daughter goes? Correct. And, and talk about being a creep. You, you cannot look at the current cheerleaders, you know, when you're a 52-year-old dad the way you did when you were, a, you know, when you were an 18-year-old that saw the mom. It's, you know, for obvious reasons, exactly. it's different. <laughs> and so it's scary, though, because it's, it's that time warp that you just, you just think, how, how is this possible? How is this possible? I, this cannot. 30 years have not or 30, whatever, 32, have not passed. You know, it can't yeah, be. Yeah, it's, but it's crazy but how it time flies. You yeah, know, so it, it actually kind of segues us perfectly in because when I was at that class that Valisa taught, you, you did a thing before the class, and you talked about the DVD. And oh, yeah. um, I would love for you to tell that story. I would love for you to, to tell that. If uh, we, have, we have the time, so if you don't mind Wonderful. diving into that. Absolutely. So, you know, I, Marguerite, I appreciate you, you having me again on, on your podcast. I, was, I enjoyed meeting you. I'd actually listened to your podcast with, with Felisa, and that was my introduction to you. And then, of course, we got to meet in person uh, at Valisa's event, and 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 I've heard just nothing but positive things from Valisa, who gushes about you, and and it was a delight uh, to meet you, and I'm so glad you got to participate in that pre kind of roundtable that we had uh, before the event started, and so just to set it up for for folks, and you know who I am is not terribly relevant to the story, but I am a coach, okay, and so. I'm an executive coach, and I work with leaders of large businesses, medium-sized businesses, and small businesses. I teach at a university, and and the bottom line is I'm teaching most of the time. I'm I'm, I'm helping people get from where they are to where they want to be, and we all know that stories and word pictures are just far more interesting than than anything else. You think about Hollywood, you think about television, you think about you know, social media, it's about video, it's about uh, moving pictures, it's about getting people interested and keeping them interested. So you end up as a coach or as a speaker or a teacher, you collect a series of anecdotes and stories to illustrate points. And, and over the years, you get to develop your own, you know, and, and, and that's really what the book Ascend is all about. It's a series of my ways of teaching Subjects that I don't pretend to have invented and goal setting and time management and effectiveness and relationships. I, I'm not a master of those things. I, I've been married a long time. I've got three kids, but, you know, I'm a, I'm a screw up. You know, I'm a forgetful <laughs> husband and, you know, uh, an overbearing dad, uh, just like anybody else is. So the DVD question, Marguerite, kind of evolved as my coaching practice built. And it really, as I honed it, became really my favorite kind of question 
certainly in the beginning of the relationship with the client, to get a real sense of, you know, what, what I was supposed to be thinking about when I was working with the client. Of course, you're totally present with the client and, 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 and what they're saying and how they're saying it. But that being said, most executive clients, they want to accomplish an objective. They want to get some goals uh, accomplished. But I didn't want to just say, well, Marguerite, you know, what do you want to talk about today or what are your goals? There's nothing wrong with those questions in and of themselves, but they're kind of flat. They're kind of boring. And so I came up with this idea of a DVD. Just imagine if I had a DVD. So if you're listening to this podcast, you don't know me, just imagine I had a DVD and I was sitting across the table from you and we had a laptop or a DVD player. And I had a DVD and I pulled it out of my briefcase and miraculously, this DVD had your name etched in it. And it said, Highlights of 2017. So this is a DVD, and maybe it's, maybe it's uh, something that was created in January of 2018. But of course, it's July of 2014 right now. So I've got this DVD that are the, that are the highlights of your 2017. It's impossible, right? And I'm not saying that, it, that it's possible, but just imagine I had one. Suspend your disbelief. And I told you that this was a professionally produced video of the highlights of your life in that year. And I handed it to you. I didn't sell your soul. You're, 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 you're not committing any sin by, by watching this DVD. You're just watching it. And, and as you can tell, Marguerite, I've had lots of people who had, like, most people absolutely love it, but there have been people like, well, geez, that's, you know, that's, 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 um, mystical, uh, you know, this is the tarot cards or you're, you're foretelling the future. I'm not doing anything of the kind. All I'm doing is I'm asking a provocative question, okay? If I pop this DVD into that laptop and we hit play, my friends, what would you want to see? Just think about it. Close your eyes if you're not driving a car. Close your eyes. Just, just imagine it. Just suspend your disbelief. It's not possible, but if it, if it were possible, what are you going to look at? What are you going to look at? And, you know, Marguerite, we had a, you know, a nice chat in San Ramon. You know, the first thing you're going to look at, you're going to look at yourself. What do you look like? Right, what about your relationship? What about you and your husband? What do your kids look like? For many men and women, they're going to think about their kids first. How are my kids? Let me see the kids. How are they doing? Okay, put them first. That's... that's uh, wonderful mindset um <clears throat> but think about excuse me think about the rest of the the so-called areas of your wheel of life your finances your faith walk or spiritual walk whatever that might be your uh, your career your vocation your house your fun and enjoyment what are you driving i've had people who who answered that question you know what do you want to see well, i want to see me 30 pounds lighter Okay. Okay. Well, no kidding. Thirty pounds light. Okay. What else are you going to see? Uh, my wife is happy. Well, how can you tell she's happy? Well, uh, in the DVD, when I walk in the house, I'm, I'm walking in earlier in the day than I am typically now, and she's smiling. Okay. Okay. Great. Your wife smiling. Lose thirty pounds. Wife smiling. What else? And so we run down the list. Okay. We, let's imagine we saw a snapshot of your bank account. 
Okay, um, what does it look like? And we're not talking about next Wednesday, so it's not something that you can, as a practical matter, say, "Well, it's not possible." Or, you know, I can't lose 30 pounds by Wednesday. Not possible. It's also not 30 years from now, because for most people, if you don't have a deadline that's that's close, relatively close, it doesn't instill this sense of urgency, this actionability. And so this is the question that I ask people to start them along the path of awareness of where it is they want to be. And again, the have exact met, number of years is is not so relevant. Excuse me? Have you Have you come across people that did this like three or four years ago and where they are now? Oh, well, there's actually a corollary to this question, to this DVD question. And this is one where you, some of your audience is going to get a little irritated with me or say, ouch. Okay. That's okay. I love that. <laughs> okay. So, so the corollary, the, the, the flip side of this DVD question of, hey, here's a DVD that shows the highlights of your year 2017 and what would you want it to look like. Now let's imagine that we went to – we went back to 2010, 2010, and we said, what do you want your life to look like in July of 2014? And we asked you that in 2010, maybe Christmas of 2010. We asked you that. Open-ended question, gets you thinking, okay, Marguerite, what do you want your life to look like on July 24th, 2014? And you honestly answered the question. And in fact, we had a DVD created of what your life is like right now. Of course, the question is, how close is your life today to what you would have said you wanted it to be if I'd asked you three years ago or three and a half years ago? And for most people, the answer is no, 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 my life is not what I would have wanted it to be. In some cases, it's better. In some cases, it's, it's close. The point is not to make people feel bad or actually make them feel good. It's not to make them feel any way in particular other than to raise your awareness that you are on a journey, that all of these cliched, stereotypical platitude, you know, the longest of journeys begins with one step, you know, begin today, start today. All of these things are true, but we hear them so often that they, for, in, for many people, they cease to have the desired impact. You know, we've heard them all before. Okay, Nikes just do it. Well, people just don't do it. Okay, they've heard it. It's not about they don't know what to do eat right and exercise it's not a knowledge gap so you know writing another book that says eat right you know exercise drink plenty <laughs> of water and get plenty of rest that's not going to help people not that it's not true it's because people know it already they just don't do it So why why do you think that is? Like, what do you think is the number one thing that holds people back? Yeah, I mean, there's, and I've talked about this many times um, before, and, and most people are very aware of cognitive intelligence, you know, the, your, your so-called IQ, you know, high. Then there's the EQ, the emotional intelligence, which is affective, 
is key to your relationship building. But there's this thing that most people, I'll bet you most of your listeners, never heard of it. It's called cognitive intelligence, C-O-N-A-T-I-V-E, cognitive. And that's your predisposition towards taking action, your sense of urgency, your desire to go make it happen. And I believe that the answer to your question is why don't people do it is fear of the unknown, fear of failure, fear of rejection. It's a lot of fears. And in most cases, I mean, Marguerite, they're unfounded fears. They're unfounded. And, and I believe I talked about it uh, in, in San Ramon. And it's, to me, it's the best way to illustrate it. Just imagine, again, to your listeners uh, as much as it is to you, just imagine whether it's in your experience or you can just imagine it. Either way it works. Just imagine a two-year-old or a three-year-old, little boy or little girl, standing at the edge of a diving board. Not a high dive, a very low diving board, very close to the water. But a toddler is standing on the edge of the diving board. And mom or dad is treading water in the pool right beneath the diving board. And you're treading water, and you want the child to jump into the water. And you're going to catch them. Right? Once they've landed into the water, you're going to grab them so they don't drown. Can you imagine the face of the child? Most people can. What is the child's face looking like? And again, we've all had seen kids, had kids that, that have no fear whatsoever, and they just go cannonballing right off the edge of the diving board. And there are kids that way, no doubt. For many children, you're, uh, like a grandson, right? That, that, so I'm not saying this applies to all kids, but you can also imagine, and maybe it was you when you were a child or one of your brothers or sisters, this fear. And it's the same fear. It's the fear of the unknown. They don't realize they're about to have a lot of fun. That split second of falling, that split second of the feet, then the legs, and then the torso, and then the head and arms hitting the water, that split second later when mom's arms or dad's arms are now skin is touching skin and you realize, no, I'm not going to die right now, you know, and then there's air again because you're out of the water, you know, because you've come up to the surface, and then what's the immediate reaction once the child realizes that didn't kill them? They want to do it again. Oh, they yeah, want they're all excited. They're excited now because the unknown is gone. There's no more fear of the unknown because it is now unknown. And that, I think, is the same phenomenon that paralyzes people from taking action is they don't really know what their destination is. They haven't swam around in the image of where it is they want to be. Just imagine the whole 30-pound thing, you know. I mean, lose 30 pounds. Why? Oh, it'd be make make me more healthy. Okay, okay, but why? 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 I'm just playing devil's advocate. I'm not a moron. I understand it's better to be healthy than not to be healthy. But I'm asking you, why? What benefit? Oh, I'm going to get to see my grandchildren. Okay, why? Oh, because I love them. I enjoy their company. Okay. So now all of a sudden we're connecting the the depravity associated with not eating French fries and chocolate cake. <laughs> we're associating that with the joy of being with your grandchild and taking a walk with your grandchild or playing ball or walking a dog or doing something, you know, that you can't do today without difficulty because you need to lose 30 pounds. And, and again, it's not just 
weight. It's it's money. It's relationships. It's faith walks. It's your vocation. It's what you do for a living. It's I hate my job. I hate my job. Well, get a new job. Oh, it's not that easy. No, I didn't say it was easy. I didn't say it was easy. Yeah. So, you know, so what are you going to do to go get a job? How long have you hated your job? 11 years. <laughs> well, 11 years ago you hated your job? Is it the same job? Yes. Wow. Okay. So three years from now, Ms. DVD, are you at that same job? Please tell me no. <laughs> no. Exactly. And And so it's helping people raise their awareness that life is a journey. Life is a process, but if you don't, I mean, Stephen Covey talked about this in The Seven Habits. If you don't begin with the end in mind, if you don't start with that image of where it is you want to go and why you want to go there, you're unlikely to sustain your efforts to get there. It's just a drunken New Year's resolution. You know, I've had 18 glasses of champagne. I'm buzzed like crazy, and I'm telling these complete strangers that in the morning I am changing everything. Oh, guess what? No, no, you're not. You know, no, you're actually not going to change everything. You're not going to change anything. National Quit Day is January 10th, and that's the average day, the average amount of time it takes people to give up on their New Year's resolutions. Ten days. That's crazy. Wow. Have to do it I early. A little bit longer, but still. Yeah, that's the and and again, I, I I'm quoting a study I read probably five or six years ago, January 10th, National Quit Day. Some people make it to the end of January. Some people don't make it till the end of January 1st. Some people might make it to May or June, but eventually they peter out. They stop. The ones you know, that sustain funny, uh, the effort. Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Um, I I was saying, you know, my I turned 50 last year. And so for the couple of years leading up to turning 50, my whole goal was I didn't want to be fat and 50. Right. And uh, so I spent a couple of years getting, I think, fatter than I've ever been in my whole life. <laughs> and so when I turned 50, I said, well, clearly that didn't work. So now I need to change the word. And I changed the word to fit in 50. Oh, absolutely. And trying to figure out how I can... Uh, sign up for as many um, accountability partners and friends and uh, anybody who will go for a walk, I'll go for a walk. And uh, So I, I've made it past January 10th, but I'll tell you, it's certainly been a struggle. But it's but the why the behind the what, the Marguerite. Yeah. It's your why. It's why you want that. Yes, 50 is a milestone number. And, and you know, we, we go to our high school reunions, our 20th, 25th, 30th, 40th high school reunion, and, and you don't want to be the one that, you know, looks like the person that ate the person in the, in the, you know, the yearbook <laughs> picture, you know. And, and I'm not mocking people. I'm really not. I'm just saying you just don't want that. And if you don't want that for your life, you better – Connect with the emotions, you know, that that will propel you. I mean, use your own understanding of your own human nature. And success leaves clues. And if you don't connect with the why behind the what, and oh, by the way, fit at 50 is so much better than not fat because it's it's what you're moving towards, which is fitness, as opposed to what you're moving away from, which is the negative word. Um, and that's, again, that's a coaching principle. People will sustain their efforts far more readily. It's like stop smoking is is a horrible way to put it. You know, you got to start chewing gum. That ought to be 
it's, it ought to be start chewing gum. You know, so there ought to be an association that says when you have that nicotine fix, because that's all smoking is, is the addiction to nicotine, um, somehow get that fix without causing lung cancer and other kinds of cancer. You know, can you, and then you can wean yourself off of the drug, nicotine, which is, you know, and millions and millions of people have done that without dying. Um, but this whole notion of just stop smoking, it's, it fails because it, it's about what you're not doing as opposed to what you should be doing. And I think recently I've learned that a lot more just about the power of words, you know, the words that you choose, the words that you surround yourself with, um, the words you use to talk about yourself. Um, I have a, a girlfriend who has done extraordinary. She's lost over 100 pounds. She's she's just wow. she's, And she's done it basically, you know, of course, eating right and exercising. And um, one of the things I've been working with her on is that negative self-talk, kind of that putting yourself down all the time. Um, and I remember a girlfriend, we were out one night with a bunch of friends, and and this gal was saying different things, and my, my other girlfriend said, look, when we're together, there is no self-depreciating talk around here. <laughs> you cannot say negative things about yourself. And I never really quite thought about it this way, but like when somebody compliments you and you say, oh, no, 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 like it's almost like calling them a liar. Like, you know, somebody says, oh, you look really pretty today, and you say, oh, no, I woke up on the wrong side of bed or whatever. You're telling that person that they're lying. And that's, like, just as insulting. It's like people want – you have to learn how to not talk so negatively about yourself if you want to have that confidence, I guess, that comes yeah, this, really more from is, the inside. Once again, this is a, a an enormous coaching topic, and this is um, an inner critic, the inner voice or a gremlin. It's called a lot of things, uh, self-limiting beliefs and and – so that person that says, oh, no, no, I'm just this, it sounds like humility. It sounds like you're just being modest. And it sounds benevolent, like it's harmless. That's just conversational. But as you point out correctly, it's not. It's not. It's an inner critic deflecting praise, deflecting positivity coming into your brain through your ears from someone else. And it's it's knocking like remember whack a mole remember the the, yeah. the game at the carnival the whack a mole anytime somebody says something good whack whack it just whacks it okay and 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 another way to put it which is very empowering is and oh by the way you're calling that person who complimented you a liar and I love that because no oh, no no I don't I'm not saying they're lying no actually you are saying they're lying there's you know. When they say, oh, you look marvelous today, Marguerite, and you say, oh, no, no, this is just this old thing, this is nothing, you might think that's harmless, but it is anything but harmless. And, and again, it's beyond maybe the scope of a podcast, but when people have that habit of sabotaging uh, praise and, and making it criticism by whacking it, 
and they criticize themselves as unworthy, not good enough, I'm not as smart as my brother, I'm not as pretty as my sister, girls can't do this, I can't do this because I'm black, gay, poor, from this state, that state, this nationality, you know, white, black, tall, short, you name the freaking reason. But people have all kinds of nonsensical reasons for criticizing themselves. But as nonsensical as they might seem to us, outside of them, they're very, very real. And they, they create limits. You, you've, you've basically put a governor on the engine of your life. You know, you remember those uh, go-karts you, read, you rode when yeah. you were a little kid? Well, they have a governor on them that don't allow them to go that fast to keep them safe. <laughs> you think you're going fast because you're so low to the ground, but you're not. You're going about 15 or 20 miles an hour. It's many of them. Well, this self-limiting belief, this inner critic, this gremlin, is like a governor on your life. And, boy, that is a powerful part of of having an accountability partner, as you mentioned. Someone that can point out to you, no, 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 don't correct me. If I tell you you look marvelous today, let's practice. Why, thank you. You look very nice as well. <laughs> Let's practice. Let's role play that. (laughs) I think that, uh, and I I don't know if it's a man-woman or thing, but it seems that that, uh, more women do that than men. You know, they deflect that positive. Because I I do agree with you. I think that some think that, well, if you just say thank you, that's kind of egotistical. That's, you know, it it means that, you know, you got a big ego or like my gram my grandma used to call me fancy pants all the time, you know. She goes, "Oh, you just think you're so fancy pants." <laughs> and and finally one day I remember saying to her, I said, "You know, grandma, you make me feel like I'm doomed. Like you can't I can't do anything right because everything I say, you know, is considered uh, egotistical, I guess. I'm not sure if that's the word she used." But. Yeah. No, I mean, and listen, I'm not asking you to be mad at your grandmother. I mean, totally generational, uh, and, you know, uh, children should be seen and not heard. Women shouldn't speak, should be deferential to men. There's all these stereotypes, and they don't just apply to women. And I know you're not saying that, and I've only been a guy, so what the heck do I know? But the bottom line is, you know, when we we do that, when, when we criticize ourselves, quite often we can point back to something a teacher said, an athletic coach, a grandmother, a babysitter, and it's been planted in our mind, honestly, many times at a young age. And there was no malice in many cases. Sometimes there was malice, you know, malicious intent. But in many cases, there was no malice in in your grandmother. She just didn't want you to be boastful or arrogant. And so she... When she called you Miss Fancy Pants, you know, somehow your brain, as you grew, kind of associated that. Anything that you say good about yourself or even allow other people to say about you and you don't correct them, somehow you're being Miss Fancy Pants, okay? Yeah. Well, I got over that, nonsense. thank goodness. Yeah. Well, good. Yeah. And, and there's a way, there's a, you know, a variety of ways to get over it because it's fundamentally illogical. You're not... You're not saying, look at me, I'm God's gift to the planet. You're not saying that at all. You're saying I'm a gifted woman that's done a lot of great things for a lot of people, and I'm not making myself out to be anything more than I actually am. And and there's not a thing wrong with that. 
Well, I have to tell you that the DVD thing, you know, I've heard that done in so many different ways, right? And um, it's always funny how, uh, you know, what is that saying when the when the student is ready, the teacher will come. Oh, sure. Um, because that it just was really impactful for me that day because I. I think, like most people, I'm a very visual person. So the thought of like watching this video, my, my imagination kind of went wild. And I just think it's a cool concept. And you know, thank you so much for uh, bringing it to to my life. I know that, and to the lives of of others today. It's it's really cool. Well, it's my pleasure. Um, I, I've enjoyed talking to you, and I and I hope that you know the people in your audience get it. You know, I'm not saying this is a formula. To, you know, fix anybody. It's not intended to fix anyone. You're not broken. You're not broken. It's just, it's just a nice word uh, association image that uh, can quite often get people to answer a question in a in a way that's fundamentally different than they would have otherwise uh, answered the, you know, the the classic, you know, so what where where are you going in this world? What are your goals? And again, I'm not mocking those questions, but we've heard them so many times that we just it doesn't inspire us to think differently. So in, in doing all my uh, research for our podcast today, uh, one of the things is, you know, going through Facebook, and I have to tell you I found this picture, and it says, My Secret Revealed. And I'm not sure if you know what the picture is, but it was a picture don't. from a few weeks ago with you wearing Superman socks. Oh, no, that was, yeah, that's really more of a, it's a long story that I'll spare you, but oh. I, the, the short version is that that a, that a, that a good friend, um, and again, it's like, we're talking about psychology, right? Human psychology, yeah. we're talking about attitudes and the power of an attitude, and I remember reading an article years ago, I was in my 20s, um, Success Magazine, and the head, uh, the the title of the magazine was the the secret of the $1,000 suit, okay? And at the time, I didn't have a suit that was $1,000. We're talking about probably 1987, 1988, so a while ago. And and I remember thinking to myself as a young guy, thinking, wow, man, if I had a $1,000 suit, man, I would, and I could rock. Okay? I would, you know, I'd be a great yeah. businessman and all of that. And so it's about, you know, you know, when you're wearing your your you know, a blouse or a, or a or an outfit that you really like, you just feel better, right? There's pep in your step. So a friend of mine has, for lack of a better term, some of the goofiest socks in the world. I mean, Bert and Ernie socks, Batman and Robin socks, all the super friends, Wonder Woman, you name the socks, he's got the socks. Wow. He doesn't wear brown socks or black socks. Well, he gave me a pair of Superman socks and did not think I'd wear them, you know. And sure enough, I wore them at a very large event. I'm on stage, and 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 he was in the audience, and I lifted up my pant leg, and they snapped the picture, and I said, well, there's the secret, folks. It's really awesome. not about hard work and prep. It's about the Superman socks. So that's <laughs> that was I really it. And, of course, it, he, got thought, a kick, you know- he got a kick out of it. Oh, I was cracking up. I loved it because I, I think that just like you, sometimes we get caught up in something that we think, well, once I have that, I will be X, oh, sure. you know, or once I do that, I'll finally be happy or different things like that. And, of course, 
we learn that that's not necessarily the case. And and I that's think the right. greatest lesson that I've learned in my life is that the magic happens in the moment. It's you know when you're there and you're present and. and, and and, and life teaches us even lessons that can appear contradictory. You're right. It's not about the socks. It's not about the suit. It's not about what you're wearing. We know that, okay? And so your, your teaching just now was, you know, live in the moment. It's about you. It's about you and what you bring. And amen. I love that message. But at the very same time, it's not inconsistent to say, you know what? When you're wearing the dress that you love, that you know flatters you, that you feel good in, Absolutely. Man, it feels better. I've never worn a dress. I'm happy to tell you, but I, you know, I, you know, I have a it's favorite shirt, a favorite tie. You know, it's good to know too much information. Um, you know, that you know when you're wearing something you feel good in, there you just do feel better. So there's nothing inconsistent about that. You're not Absolutely. doing this analytical thing that says, oh, I will be brilliant today because of the shoes I am wearing. You know, we're not yeah. doing that. We're, it's about feeling. It's about how we feel. Well, I think I'm going to buy some Superman socks. I'd go <laughs> for it. It's going to make all the difference <laughs> in the world for you. <laughs> you know, it's been such a joy talking to you. I really um, I really am grateful for you taking the time to, to be on oh, this my pleasure. I know that people are going to get a ton of great information. And so Terrific. if people are interested in learning more about Ed, I know you've got a ton of YouTube videos. You can go to eddacosta.com. We'll post his link on our website as well. And Terrific. he's got some yeah, great – Yeah, you just Google I, me. Yeah, you're all over the place. So you got a lot of great YouTube videos with inspiration and, and stuff like that. So thank you so much, of your, thank you so much for your time, and, and I'm really grateful. Thank you for what you're doing for your audience. It's been my pleasure to help you do that uh, today, Marguerite. Take care, my friend. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye.